We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, avid outdoorsman Chris Biederman. And before we talk about 49ers Seahawks, we got to tell you about our homies over at Lamb Chops. That is the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles, sglambchops.com is the website. That's also where you can find them on Instagram at sglambchops. They got photos and reels and stuff of all their new clothes, different ways to style them. They are super dope, which is the most important thing, uh, but really high quality, really comfortable. They got something for all seasons. Shorts, t-shirts, they have new joggers out, they have a new hoodie out, they have a new letterman jacket out, and it's all so fire. So go get yourself some lamb chops. Go get it's the holiday season. Get something for your friends, your family. Everybody in your life should be rocking lamb chops right now. Because like I said, it looks dope. And that's what you want for the people in your life. Use promo code candlestick20 and get 20% off your order while you're in there. Zipper pockets. Game changers. That's all I gotta say. I love that for you. Candlestick 20. Get yourself some zipper pocket shorts today. <laughs> Join the herd. SGLambchops.com. We're also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Cooperage Brewing out in Santa Rosa. Go visit the brewery. I'm telling you. It's a great place to hang out. Indoor and outdoor seating. Bring a pup. Bring an empty stomach. There's always a good food truck out there. Bring a, a palate that's ready to taste a wide variety of different beers. You know, sometimes you go to a craft brewery. I think this is my favorite thing about Coop is sometimes you go to a craft brewery and it'll be like eight. And I love an IPA. This is not a knock on IPAs, but it'll be like eight different IPAs and then a Pilsner and then a seltzer. And that's what they got. And at Coop, there's always a wide variety of beer and it is all so damn good. So whatever kind of beer you like, you can get it on tap. And then, when you find something you like, you can jump on cooperagebrewing.com and you can order a case. They'll send it right to your front door. If you're 21 and over and in the state of California, they will send you a case of beer, one day shipping to your front door. All you got to do is sign for it. It's the best way to acquire beer. And it's all really, really good at Cooperage Brewing. We have the menu up right now, streaming live on our YouTube page. Um, mm-hmm. Mellow Sunshine Weed Ale, if Weed Ale is your thing. Uh, they have strawberry, watermelon, and mint sparkle pants, hard seltzer, four packs. Sure. If those are your things, dollar dollar pills, y'all. Of course, Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA you can get. Um, and all of their IPAs, their hazies, their pale ales, all delicious. All stack up against anything 
um, that you I might can have get anywhere that. in Northern California. They say Santa Rosa is the craft beer capital of the country. Uh, I would tend to agree, and I would put Cooperage's offerings up against anything. It's as good, if not better, than anything else. So shout out to our homies at Cooperage. I'm going to get some of that Shatter Shield oatmeal stout. Love an oatmeal stout this time of year. Yeah. Nothing better than sitting at the end of the night, sipping on an oatmeal stout. It's one of my favorite things. Shout out to Cooperage. I'm with you. Love the homie. And shout out to Charlie from Cooperage for pulling up to <laughs> Lincoln Financial Field and having a great time. I got a... Uh, we can talk offline about the conversations we've had, but um, yeah, that's... it. He was appreciative of the shout out on, on last week's pod. So <laughs> yeah, <Or> no, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just pulled up to Lincoln financial field, him and his friends and started talking cash shit immediately <laughs> after getting out of the car. I respect it. Yeah. I respect it big time. Love Cooperage. Uh, let's the, Oh, they make candlestick Chronicles, hazy IPA, by the way, that's the beer named after our podcast. You should buy some. All right, let's talk Niner Seahawks. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown! Bosa got him in a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. This feels weird to me. That you didn't mention Danny Kelly's appearing later in the yeah, it's episode. That's in the title. Of the show. It's in the episode okay. title. Somebody can't read. That's on. That's on. Didn't, didn't make the intro, but uh, yeah, we do have Danny Kelly coming up later in this episode. Yeah, he's the, he's the best. Friend of the pod. Uh, talk talk Seahawks with him. Kind of bigger picture stuff. Not a ton of like super in-depth minutia, but, but big picture about this game and then about the Seahawks uh, moving forward because this is just a weird. This is, the, I think, the NFL's weirdest rivalry. Because it's definitely a rivalry between the, when we had Debo Samuel on the pod, we asked him like, Hey, is that, what about the Rams rivalry? And he's like, nah, we kick their ass. The Seahawks are the, are the rival. And it's fascinating that that's just kind of been the case for more than a decade now, even though they've only it was been the opposite. Good at- it was the opposite. It was the Rams are the rival, right? He doesn't care about the Seahawks anymore. No, 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 no. It's not what he said. No. Are we just are we beefing on the pod right now? Yes. Okay. Because I assumed it was the Rams because they 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 were the roadblock, and he was like, "No, we always beat them. We have a hard time." Okay. Beating the All right. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Because I no, was you're surprised. Right. You're right. I was I misremembered. I misremembered. You're right. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. So this is such a weird rivalry though because they've it's definitely a rivalry between both teams, yet they've only been good in the last twelve years. They've only been good at the same time for like less than half of those years. And now the Niners are on the, the the better end of it. Niners have blown them out basically in four straight games. Um, it hasn't been close. And you wonder, and we talked a little bit with Danny about this, but like, is Niners Seahawks ultimately the referendum on Geno Smith? Like, do the Seahawks look at, like if the Niners blow out the Seahawks again, which seems plausible on Sunday, is that the scenario where the Seahawks go, yeah, we just can't beat this division foe with this quarterback, so we need Maybe. to try something else. Maybe. Right? Like that's not I don't I don't think that would be crazy if the Seahawks as you know, I think Geno Smith's been fine. I think he's been sort of what Jimmy Garoppolo was for the 49ers. Like 
you can win with him, but he's not he's not a quarterback that you absolutely can't move on from. Danny called him sort of a an upscale bridge quarterback, like a good bridge quarterback. Um, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think overall he just hasn't been as good as he was last year. And I think he might have peaked last year. I don't think you're getting better play from him as he goes into his early 30s, right? Or as he mm-hmm. continues into his mid-30s, I should say. He's already 33. Um, so that's that's sort of like the big picture thing for me coming out of Sunday. I the Seahawks are more rested and they've lost three straight games and four of their last five. Um, they are going to throw everything they have at the 49ers and the Mm -hmm. Niners are going to be coming off obviously an emotional win in Philadelphia Um, they'll have less rest which has proven to be a a thing this year um, including in Philadelphia when the Niners had more rest than the Eagles did Um, so you know like I I think it could be a little bit weird like the Niners and Seahawks have played a ton of weird games and I think Mm -hmm. you know maybe there's an emotional letdown here but I think for me I just unless unless guys get hurt or some weird stuff happens, I don't think the 49ers are going to lose this game. And I think for me coming out of it is like, all right, if the Seahawks lose four in a row and fall to below 500 after starting five and two, do they start to like look at Gino and be like, all right, it's time to make a decision at quarterback this offseason? Yeah, maybe. Um, and, you know, I wonder if like if, you know, if Michael Penix is a mid round mentioned it to you before we started recording, but. Michael Penix is a mid-round for a, a mid-first round quarterback, and that's where the Seahawks are picking, given how well he throws the deep ball. Like I could, you know, I know there's a geographical thing with him being at UW, but I just feel like I could envision Michael Penix throwing deep passes to DK Metcalf. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just like that just makes sense to me. I don't know if that um if that would actually happen, but that's you know, I, I do wonder like coming out of Sunday, is it do the Seahawks decide like okay? we need to move on from Gino because it's not getting any easier against the 49ers. Especially when you scored six against the 49ers on offense the week before. And then last week you go and hang up 35 on Dallas. If they come back and hang up 10 on the Niners again, I I think that's definitely going to be the case where, okay, that's great. You're mid against the rest of the league, but you're just really bad against the best team in your division. That's just not a way to go about fielding a football team. Yeah. And it's it's just it's weird seeing the Seahawks in this place because they were so good at team building there for a while and now they're just I don't want to say they're rudderless, but they definitely feel like they're trapped in a spot where they're gonna be, you know, seven to nine wins, maybe maybe ten wins every here every every now and again. But they're just kind of trapped in that cycle of mediocrity. Yeah, like if they were an NBA team, they would be that NBA team that's like just good enough to be like maybe in the playoff mix till March Mm -hmm. and then like, but not good enough to get a top lottery pick Chicago. Yeah. You mentioned (laughs) the Hawks earlier in a separate discussion. I was like, Oh, like the Atlanta Hawks and the, and the Seahawks, like, like, Oh, that works. Yeah. Kind of similar. Yeah. I'm, I think the, the biggest thing for me with this game, because if this was, if this was a, a, I'm going to say a normal week, and I'll explain it in a second. If this is a normal week, I'd pick the 49ers to win by a couple touchdowns. And that would just kind of be that. They're just better. Like, they're better everywhere. Yeah. And in their last four meetings, here's here's a, here's a crazy thing. Brock Purdy is going to make his 21st career start, including the playoffs. And five of them have been against Seattle. 
That's almost a quarter of his starts have been against, have been against the Seahawks. That's in, wild. In 21 of them. So I I think the the biggest concern for me from a 49ers perspective is not, oh, Gino's going to figure them out or oh, Seattle's defense is going to be the one that that shuts down the Niners offense. Like I, I don't I think the Niners are going to hang up 30 and I I do think we see kind of a slow start though where there is kind of a little bit of an emotional letdown not only because the 49ers got a big win last week they were on the road um seattle played on thursday so they get the extra rest the niners have to come home and now they have to get re-amped for this game that was clearly meant a lot to them they they were saying it was one of 17 and you know it's this is just another week it clearly was not that and so now you have to get back on the horse and face a division rival that knows you really well this just this screams like Niners down 10 six at the half to me yeah and then and then winning 27 yeah 13. Get, getting in at the half and being like all right okay here we go figure yeah. it out yeah. yeah that's 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 it and in games like that it gets scary because okay you come out in the second half and you give up a long play and then you turn it over and all of a sudden you're down 17 and it, it, it things get out of hand so that would be my only concern but I don't I don't see a way that the Seahawks can just line up and beat the the 49ers right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I just Particularly don't. if the Niners have the MVP of the league. Yeah, well, which one? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do want to, like, we we talked a little bit about the MVP discussion with George Ahori of, of Pro Football Focus earlier in the week. Um, but you and I haven't really talked about it. And, you know, we... After the Dallas game, we talked about Brock Purdy, you know, being a legitimate MVP candidate. Yeah. And then that age or that take aged like sour milk uh, <laughs> <laughs> over the next three weeks. Yeah, over the next three weeks, because the Niners lost three straight games. But now now it's obviously back in, in the consciousness because Purdy is the betting favorite, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. to win the award. And. You know, like I don't want to do the Purdy rankings thing. I think the rankings conversation is is, is like almost it's pointless. So it's like it doesn't really matter. Like ultimately, Brock Purdy's playing at a high level, unequivocally, like unequivocally playing at a high level, leading arguably the league's best offense. Um, and it appears the 49ers can win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy playing the way he's playing. And to me, that's yes. all that really matters. What it's all that matters? Hypothetical situation: put Brock Purdy on the Jets, like it doesn't look as good. Great. Okay, I don't know what that proves, right? Um, sure. But but the MVP discussion is interesting to me, and it speaks to like Purdy's having a really good year, and I I think the case, I think Brock Purdy being the leading candidate what it's it says more about the mvp race and maybe the state of the nfl and perhaps all the injuries to quarterbacks throughout the league particularly in the afc mm-hmm. it's like that that to me is what is what's happening here like it to me if joe burrow were healthy like he would be the leading mvp candidate right like actually yeah like a, a star quarterback playing at a high level leading a, a resurgent Cincinnati team, right? Like that's how we would be talking about them right now, but he's, Mm -hmm. he's done for the year. Um, Patrick Mahomes supporting cast has been terrible and cost them a few games now. And that's the reason why he's not, you know, the leading MVP candidate, Josh Allen's bills are what six and six, I think. Yeah. So like, I I thought, I personally think Tyree kills the MVP of the league. I, Um, uh, I'm with you, bro. Yeah. But I'm right there. 
but I I completely understand why Brock Purdy is is a leading candidate where he is, and I think he's he's deserving of that candidacy. I just don't think he's the most valuable player in the league um, in terms of like you take him away from the 49ers. I think you could still approximate a really good offense with a different quarterback. I don't know who that quarterback would be. Mm-hmm. But if you take Tyree Kill off the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are would be lucky to be 500. I frankly. would tend to like, agree. With think, you. Yeah, so I like in terms of like value if we're just talking about pure value, I think Tyreek is is that guy this year. Um but even a receiver being in that position to be talked about as an MVP speaks to just how weird of a season it is for MVP and that I'm not trying to take away from Brock Purdy. Um I think he he definitely deserves to be a candidate, but I think his candidacy speaks more towards the rest of the league being kind of weird in terms of like lacking the the ultimate stars having the ultimate seasons um, more so than just like, oh, Rock Purdy is is like really, you know, like ascending to super duper stardom. Like he's obviously he's playing at a really high level. I think he's a top 10, top 12 quarterback. Um, he's doing everything he needs to do to orchestrate the league's best offense. And like, I, I don't hold, I can't, I can't like devalue what Brock Purdy's doing because he does have an elite supporting cast and elite coach. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, Joe Montana wouldn't have been as good if he didn't have Bill Walsh. I just think, you know, like, and Jerry Rice, can't... I just think it's a silly conversation to have. Like history will tell us, you know, we'll, we have, we'll have plenty of time to put everything that Brock Purdy's doing in the proper context. We don't have to decide right now in the right. moment right. exactly whether or not Brock Purdy's elite. If they win a Super Bowl, then Brock Purdy's season is more or less unimpeachable, right? Yes. So, and that's, that's, it looks like the 49ers are pretty clear Super Bowl favorites at this point. And that to me is all that matters. Like, is your quarterback playing good enough for you to win a Super Bowl? That's it. That's the most important thing. It that's doesn't all matter that, where all he, that matters. It doesn't matter where he ranks, whether he's 18th or 20th or ranked behind college kids or whatever. Like, right. let let those people have those conversations. And if you want to have those conversations, cool. Like, I get, I get why those conversations are interesting. Just to me, it's like the guy, the guy's playing at a high level for he's playing the most important position for the best team in the league. And like, that's that's really all that matters. And that's why he's a candidate. It's not because he's better than every other quarterback. It's just because that's how the league is shaking out this year. And he's doing it on a on a in an offense that's been good for the last several seasons, and he's made it way better, like, substantially, by doing things that the previous quarterbacks were not good at. And I just if if the goal of your job or your your hobby is to figure out what every quarterback would look like in a league average offense, okay. Hey, I'll keep track of wins and losses and who's winning the Super Bowl because that's that's kind of the, the goal of the sport. Not to have the best players in what would be a league average situation. Right. Um, um as far as Brock Purdy as an MVP candidate, I'm with you. I am at I am right there at the front of if I had a vote, I would I don't, I would vote for Tyreek Hill as of today. Yep. He's gonna be well over 2000 yards and 20 plus touchdowns or if Christian McCaffrey gets super hot here and goes averages 150 scrimmage yards a game and scores a touchdown and a half a game the rest of the way and and 
pushes 25, 26 touchdowns. Like, okay, maybe, maybe he's in the conversation, but there's two sides to this. I think that are getting conflated. There's the, who would you vote for? And as you and I have laid out and probably vote for Tyreek Hill. But then when I try and project like, Hey, what are voters, who are voters going to vote for? What do we know about this award? Voters are going to look at the best teams and they're going to look at the quarterbacks first. And if there's truly not a worthy candidate, then they'll go elsewhere. But like, let's just look at and, and consider that the average voter is not grinding tape. Okay. All right. <laughs> they're going to look at, they're going to go to footballreference.com or NFL Jesus, which is a game stats and info system. They're going to go to those stats and they're going to sort the stats and they're going to go, okay, who was good or who was on a good team and who was good. And they're going to look at Brock Purdy. And if he continues on the pace he's on, here's what people are going to see. Let's say the Niners went out and get the one seed. Okay. That's just, we're we're going to go there for this argument. Niners went out, they get the one seed. Voters are going to go look and they're going to go, okay, the Niners are the one seed. Okay. Let's see. That's a really good team. That's a very good team. Let's go look at Brock Purdy's stats. Where did he land? I don't want to do that. Okay, let's see. 70.2% completion rate, 116.1 passer rating, 9.6 yards per attempt, 4,500 yards, 33 touchdowns, and eight picks. Like, that's just an MVP. And and I yeah. maybe this is the year that they all dive into context and decide that having good players on your team is a negative and that um, not throwing the ball fast enough is a negative. And... Uh, all that maybe that's the case maybe the discourse on Brock Purdy has gotten so wide-ranging that it scares people off of voting for him because they've decided you know what he's not actually that good and okay but I'm guessing that's not going to be the case people are gonna go wow 4,533 less than 10 interceptions in this economy 9.6 yards per attempt 106 holy shit on the number one seed I think that's a people are going to look at. And I think that's why Brock Purdy would get a bunch of MVP votes. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, like I think Brock Purdy is a, is a really like, is a strong MVP candidate. Like I don't yeah. just because I it's think Tyree kill is, is the MVP right now. Doesn't mean I, I don't think Brock Purdy um, deserves it or at least deserves consideration. I think, you know, Mike Sando, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking for the, uh, the stat. Um, so Mike Sando in Monday's uh, pick six column that he does. Great name, by the way. Yeah, for short that. for sandwich. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean the pick six, but yeah, I could. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, shout out to Mike Sando, friend of the pod. Um, but, you know, like there's there's this feeling that Brock Purdy like only benefits from Yak um, and only throws short passes. Like obviously like all of his, you know, his throws beyond 20 yards, like all those numbers, you can look them up. They're all really good. Right. Um, but the point here, Mike Sando said yak accounts for 48 and a half percent of Purdy's passing yards this season. Uh, the average is 47% for starting quarterbacks. So one and a half percent above average for quarterbacks. The average was 48% for the past 10 MVP quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes was at 54% last season when he won MVP in 2022. So like, you know, Purdy's yak total or yak totals should not be used against him because Patrick Mahomes is, had this, had more 
benefited more from Yak than Purdy has, right? And there are all sorts of numbers. We can go back to what Nick wrote. Um, Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member weeks ago about Brock Purdy and, and comparing him to um, to Mahomes. And, and you know, there's there's so much stuff out there about all the other MVP candidates. If you just look purely at the numbers, Brock Purdy is absolutely in line with other MVP candidates or MVP winners. Um, and so that to me, like that, I, that tells a story that says like, you know, if Brock Purdy doesn't win MVP, then Kyle Shanahan better win coach of the year. (laughs) Sure. You know what I mean? Like if it like Brock Purdy winning MVP to me would be like a lifetime achievement award for Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan's the guy calling all the plays. He's the guy picking out all the personnel on offense, particularly the skill guys like Kyle Shanahan is the one who's had final say on Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if he was in the weeds in the fifth round of 2017 when they took George Kittle, but he was super (laughs) influential in, you know, like getting Trent Williams and he was obviously super influential in getting Christian McCaffrey. Um, So yeah, like Brock Purdy's MVP candidacy to me is real. I wouldn't vote for him right now, but he could have an insane finish to the season to where it's like, all right, Niners are the one seed and this dude's numbers He's first in the league in every single statistic. And it's like if Tyreek Hill doesn't have 2,200 yards and 25 touchdowns or whatever he's on pace to have, then it's like then Brock Purdy's probably got to be it. And just because he doesn't look like Justin Herbert or, you know, some of these some of these other more physically gifted quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that should necessarily be taken away from him. I will have a goddamn conniption if Brock Purdy doesn't win MVP. And people go, the the justification from voters is, we'll look at the weapons. And Jalen Hurts does win it. <laughs> right. I, right. I mean, what are we what are we even doing here, man? The here's here's the nuts thing. So the reason this has really come to the fore is because he threw four touchdown passes and threw for 314 yards and was basically perfect against Philadelphia in Philadelphia. And the Niners blew out the the Eagles, right? Right after Jalen Hurts had become the voting favorite to be the MVP. And Brock Purdy just so happened to have a game where it was a very heavy yak game for the 49ers. And so this is being used as like, wow, look, this is what all of his games look like. And the irony of that is it looked like that because he's been so good throwing the ball down the field that the Eagles took that away. The Eagles played a defensive structure that said, we are not going to let you eat in the 15 to 20 yard range. You're going to take these underneath throws and we're going to rally and tackle and it didn't work out. So it's just, it, it's, it's, it's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> it is, it is, it is funny though, that that's the takeaway. And it just kind of goes to show how shallow the discourse is that it's, that it's oh there it was that that game right there i haven't had any games like this to point out but that's the one see that's the one that shows that he doesn't actually throw a deep when the reason he didn't is because the eagles didn't want him to because it's he's very very good at it brock purdy leads all qualified quarterbacks this is according to pro football focus get your pff ju- subscription today in in adjusted <laughs> An adjusted completion percentage on throws longer than 20 yards. Um, and he has his attempt. The, hit, oh, go ahead. Sorry. He has the second highest passing grade tied with 
um, CJ Stroud just behind Trevor Lawrence on, on those throws that are longer than 20 yards. Trevor Lawrence is completing 50.9% of those throws. Brock Purdy's mm-hmm. completing 63.2% of those throws. Not entirely sure. I guess there, there might be drops or, or um, pass breakups or whatever that, yeah. that are impacting that. But Brock Purdy's 63.2% completion rate on throws longer than 20 yards leads the NFL. Yeah. Um, and his attempts are... I mean, he's 19th in attempts. Yeah, but look at the look at the attempt rate. It's right there with like it's above Justin Herbert yeah. and Trevor Lawrence, and right there with Josh Allen. Yeah, the Niners just don't put it in the air a ton because they're winning by a lot all the time. Yeah, so he's really he's like he's really good at deep passes. So it's the, like the and and there was a thing real quick. There there was a thing going around like on Sunday, like, Oh, Brock Purdy's an MVP candidate. Look at his touchdowns. And then it was a highlight of the four of the, you know, three of the touchdowns basically being all yak. And it's like, all right, just admit you didn't watch the rest of the game. Then like admit you didn't see Brock Purdy throwing the the deep out to the right sideline on third and seven in a moment where the 49ers absolutely had to have it yes. on a throw that traveled what 30 yards in the air yeah. for you know, for a 10 yard gain, that was one of the biggest plays in the game. Like the Niners converted eight of 11 third downs. A lot of those were just on really good throws by Brock Purdy. So like, yeah, his touchdowns were explosive plays that had a lot of yards after the catch, but to just say that, Oh, he, he clearly didn't have the game. We all thought he did because his touchdowns came via a lot of yak ignores the fact that like, no, he was really good for the entire game and made a lot of big throws that weren't those touchdown passes. So I think, like I think like Brock Purdy to me, I think at this point has to be second in MVP kit. Like I, I would go Tyreek and Brock. I wouldn't put Dak Prescott above Brock in terms I'm of putting MVP. Dak right there though. Yeah, he's there, but like I, I just want to, you know, w- the Niners the Niners dominated the Cowboys, right? They won 42 to 10. And then the Cowboys beat the Chargers on the road 20 to 17. They beat the Rams 43 20. They lost to the Eagles. Um, but then this MVP candidacy thing for Dak really started popping up four weeks ago. He beat the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, and now the Seahawks. Like I I just, you know, if he if if Dak Prescott hangs four touchdowns and doesn't throw a pick against the Eagles on Sunday and the Cowboys win that game, then I think we can have a more legitimate conversation about Dak Prescott as an MVP sure. over Brock Purdy, particularly since the Niners and Cowboys won head to head. And you know, like I, I do think that matters. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just need for, for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys to me to be taken seriously as like an, an, an NFC contender, they have to win on Sunday because they've just been beating up on really, really bad teams and mm-hmm. I don't know that you deserve a whole lot of credit for that, or at least enough credit to be talked about as an MVP or as an elite team in the NFC. Sure. Yeah, I think I think this Philly game for the Cowboys on Sunday is going to hold a ton of weight. I have a thing on on Dak, but I don't want to forget this real quick. I think the irony with with Purdy is the whole thing is, well, when they've been behind, he hasn't been able to bring them back. And I think the irony of that is, is he hasn't been able to bring them back because he doesn't just take the easy throws in those big spots and he tries to do too much. And he's actually talked about this where he said, one of the biggest things he's learned is I think he said this in, in Nick Wagner's piece after his, his 17th career start 
you can read that on ESPN. It's really, really good. And he talks about how the biggest thing he's learned is to not try to always make the big play and to just make a profit on every down. And sometimes that profit is going to be 20 yards down the field. But you know what? Sometimes take that dump off for seven yards and live with second and three. And that's the thing I don't think he's done in like in Minnesota. He threw those couple interceptions because he was trying to push the ball down the field. And maybe in that spot, it's better to, hey, take a check down, take the easy yards, and just kind of matriculate your way down the field instead of trying to get it all at once. So I, I find a little bit of irony in that, where the knock is, well, he doesn't throw it deep enough, but he's there's also a knock because he can't come back in games. But part of the reason he doesn't come back is because he's probably trying to do too much throwing the ball down the field in those spots. Yeah, so I don't know how much this applies, but this has been something I've been thinking a little bit about lately. If there was like an elite college team and they Mm -hmm. were blowing everybody out by 30 or 40 points every week, you'd be like, all right, that's one of the best teams in the league. And you wouldn't talk about the fact that, well, they haven't played a close game yet and they haven't had to come from behind. Like you wouldn't, they would still be the number one team in the league. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like you wouldn't use that against them. And maybe the NFL is different because it's a little bit, the the playing field is a little bit more even, but like, and I've, I've made the point, like really the only thing I've needed to see from Purdy to feel like, okay, he's unequivocally like a top eight guy or whatever is like, can you, can you win in those spots when you're down, you know, when you're down five points with four minutes left in the fourth quarter? Like we just haven't seen it, but I would like we haven't seen it, but I'm not saying that I'm not trying to use that against Brock, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to say like that's a detriment to him. He just hasn't really been in those situations. And when he has, it hasn't worked, Mm -hmm. but it's also been without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. And there's been, you know, some extenuating circumstances. Like to me, even looking back at the Cleveland game, there were so many like dumb things that happened in the Cleveland game that I'm that I kind of just throw it out if the officials had ruled it a fumble at the end of the first half, like it should have been Mm -hmm. Um, the Niners probably win that game. If Jake Moody makes the field goal at the end, they they win that game. If he makes the field goal in the first half, that long one, they win that game. Um, You know, if if Tayshawn Gibson doesn't no talking about um, Cleveland, Tayshawn Gibson doesn't drop that interception at the goal line. Right. You remember that one on the last drive right before Cleveland, there was that play too. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Minnesota, it's like if the Niners don't give up that touchdown at the end of the first half on that ridiculous blitz call, um, they probably win that game too. So it's just like, you know, like these are all things sort of out of Brock Purdy's control, and we talk about those games as like knocks on his resume or whatever. But it's like, well, they, sometimes weird stuff happens in the league, and sometimes it's not always his fault. Um, and there are things that happen outside of his control that could, that could boost his, his resume or his legitimacy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I just think like, like I said earlier, like the MVP stuff, I definitely think he's a deserving candidate, but I think he's a candidate because it, it doesn't feel like there's a true superstar playing like a superstar, which we normally see this time of year. Do you know what Dak's done in his last seven games? I know the numbers are crazy. His last set. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna do a whole thing. I, I looked this up because I was gonna write a piece about like Dak is not Dak and is not in the conversation. <laughs> in 
in his last seven games, he is at 70.5% completions. Almost 2,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, and two picks. The 17-game pace on that is 5,300 yards, 51 touchdowns, and five interceptions. Like, he's been dominant. Yeah, but against the Giants, Panthers, Commanders, and Seahawks. Sure, sure. But that's the same argument people make against Brock early in the year. So, yeah. And even but, against even against right. Philly, even against Philly, he was 29 of 44 for 374 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. I guess not. <laughs> it's not like yeah. he sucked. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, 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 I put I personally put Dak up there, but for me it's Tyreek one, Brock two. And anybody trying to make the argument that Brock Purdy isn't an MVP candidate because of whatever reason, it's ridiculous. This this has never happened before in the history of the NFL where you've had a quarterback who's good as shit and people are like, mm, actually, hmm, hang on here. Uh, he doesn't throw it deep enough. Well, he does. Here's all these numbers that show it. Oh, okay, well, uh, his teammates are really good. Yeah, that's the, that's the point of the sport. Yep, you, that's <laughs> called team building. Yeah, no doubt. Like, nobody's ever brought up teammates in a freaking MVP discussion in the NFL. Happens in the NBA. Oh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are eliminated from MVP conversation because they're on the same team and they cancel each other. Okay. Never heard that before in the NFL. This is a first. This has never happened. I ultimately this is think an awesome quarterback on an awesome team. And now you shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. <laughs> okay. And I think like having an MVP type season is different than saying he's the best quarterback in the league. I th- thank you. There's it's very different. It's a it's a different very thing. Different. Like even when Matt Ryan won MVP in 2016, I don't think like people were like, "Yep, I take Matt Ryan over Aaron Rodgers right now," or I you know I take Matt Ryan over Tom Brady, or you know like it, it's just having an MVP season is just a confluence of winning. Mm-hmm. and being productive and your production leading to winning like that's what being an mvp in the nfl is it's not the most outstanding player if this if the nfl had a heisman then brock purdy's probably not in that discussion right if it were right. just like the most outstanding player mm-hmm. it's it's probably i mean it's probably tyreek right but like yeah tyreek christian mccaffrey's in that conversation yeah like it, it's just different like the most valuable thing, and this goes back to, you know, we could have a discussion about what the award should be and all that. Um, but I, I just think like people say, people see that Brock Purdy's the, the leading MVP candidate. And it's like, no, no one's saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL or the guy, right. if everyone was available in a draft and you're picking quarterbacks, no one's picking right. him first. That's not what right. the argument is. It's just like, you look at the best team in the league and the, most important position on the field for that team and the guy playing at a really high level, it's Brock Purdy. And it's just like, it is what it is. Like it's, if we don't have to think about it, like, okay, Brock Purdy won MVP. Now that means he's the best player in the league. It's like, no, it's just telling a story about what the season is. And the season is, is Brock Purdy. The story of the season is Brock Purdy is playing really well for a really good team. And frankly, the rest of the field just is sort of devoid of the traditional candidates that we're used to seeing. Exactly. That's it. That's all. That's all I got. That concludes our Niners Seahawks preview. No. <laughs> you want to? You want to do some prize picks before we get to our Cooper's Brewing What's on Tap with Danny Kelly? 
it's funny because we have Danny Kelly coming on, but the people watching on the live stream are not going to see Danny um, because we already yeah, sorry, recorded yes. it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Danny's We're coming on. Post. <laughs> Danny's coming on on the recorded version, coming on the podcast feed. But we will make a separate video that we'll post to YouTube, uh, yeah. where you can where you can watch our our conversation with Danny there. Awesome. All right, prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. It is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in America. It is super easy. You pick two to six player stat projections. You pick more or less on those projections, and then you watch the you watch the winnings roll in. It's super fun right now because of the NBA NFL crossover season. They're doing a specials league where they are combining a basketball player and a football player and combining their stat projections to turn that into into an entry. So you could do like Travis Kelsey and LeBron James more or less than 10 and a half catches and made threes and they specify which which game it's for uh, for for the basketball player if they have a couple of games prior to sunday or whatever but it's it's so much fun they if you don't have time to jump in and build an entry which is something that i run into a lot of the time under the little promo tab in the app they have all these guest pickers including meek mill uh, noted eagles fan um and and uh part-time rapper he is meek millie yeah. Um, it, it, like he'll do an entry and you can just click that and you can just ride uh, with the guest picker. It's, it's a really, really cool thing that, that prize picks is doing. And this is my new favorite part about watching sports is just diving into prize picks every night. I just, Oh, NBA games are about to tip off or there's going to be a Thursday night game or whatever it is. I'm diving in and I'm, I'm making an entry. You should do the same at prizepicks.com slash candlestick promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. Prizepicks.com slash candlestick punch in that promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. We got entries for this week. Here's what I'm rocking with Chris. I'm going Brock Purdy more than 256 and a half passing yards. I'm going with the game script, by the way, of the 49ers defense kind of struggling out the gate a little bit and the Niners needing to pass to get back in slash pull ahead. So that's why I'm going Brock pretty more than 256 and a half passing yards. I have Chase Young more than a quarter of a sack. He hasn't gotten on the board, I think, since his first game. And I believe he's going to get on the board with a sack this week. Against I have, the bad that, I have that one also, full yeah. disclosure. We're aligned. Against a bad Seahawks offensive line, yeah. So I like Chase Young more than a quarter sack. Christian McCaffrey, I'm just riding it, dude. 114 and a half rushing and receiving yards. I'm going more. I have that one too. Yeah, I just, I'm, he goes 90 rushing yards and 25 receiving yards and he's there and that feels like a light output for him Debo Samuel I have more than 13 and a half rushing yards he's gonna get his three or four carries he's gonna average four yards a pop and I think he's gonna go more than 13 and a half rushing yards Jawan Jennings I tossed and turned on this one thought about this one a lot his receiving yard number is 14 and a half that's the entry I went less Ooh, part of me part of Part of me is is like, man, he had the big touchdown last week. They're just going to feed him. Kyle Shanahan talked in his press conference on Wednesday about how they're the ones holding Juwan Jennings back. He's always there. He's already always ready to compete. But I also think that, again, I think the Niners are going to be maybe not behind, but in kind of a battle in this one. And in those games, it's Debo Samuel, it's Brandon Ayuk, it's George Kittle, it's Christian McCaffrey. I'm just not sure that the volume is going to be there for Jawan Jennings. So I'm going to go less 
than 14 and a half receiving yards for him. And then because you can't pick all one team, I jumped over to the Seahawks side and I went Seahawks kicker Jason Myers more than one and a half made field goals. Okay. That's my entry on prize picks. What um, do you got? All right. So I also have Chase Young more than a quarter sack. Yeah. Um, I also have CMC more than 114 and a half total scrimmage yards. Um, you know, CMC has over 100 scrimmage yards in nine of 12 games this year. That's outrageous. And it looks like he has at least 130 uh, in seven or eight of those, I think. Good so it looks Lord, like seven. Man. Yeah, he's he's out of control. Um, his last his last uh, five games, 133 scrimmage yards, 139, 103, 142 and 118. Um, and he's he scored six touchdowns in six games. Um, obviously, a, a, a really embarrassing goose egg in Jacksonville um, where he had 142 scrimmage yards but didn't get in the end zone. But yeah, CMC, 114 and a half just feels automatic at this point, which is crazy to say. Um, I went more on Jennings. I think it's just one of those things where like, that's just two catches, essentially, 14 and a half. That's like, <clears throat> you know, it's just two catches. I think you can get there. Okay. Um, and I went, I want Geno Smith more than 242 and a half passing yards. And that is just m- sort of similar to like Jalen hurts last week. Like I think universally the consensus is G- uh, Jalen hurts didn't play well, but he still almost threw for 300 yards. Mm-hmm. And it was just a function of like, you know, some garbage time, um, I've obviously got off to a good start from a yardage perspective, but I think I think Gino can put up a lot of yards in this game and it'd still be pretty lopsided in okay. favor of the in favor of the 49ers. So I love that. Love that for you, man. They're gonna be sharp, I think. Like the they, you know, they're they do have the extended rest advantage, and I think they'll they'll try to jump on the Niners early with some some deep passes and, and all of that stuff. So Juwan Jennings is befuddling. One target, no catches in the opener. Two for 51 against the Rams, but that was a game where Brandon Ayuk got hurt. The next game, no Brandon Ayuk against the Giants. He goes two for 31. Then against Dallas, one for 19. Cleveland, Debo Samuel gets hurt. He goes two for 26. Minnesota, no Debo, five for 54. Big game for Jawan Jennings. And then Cincinnati, no targets, no catches. Jacksonville, two targets, one catch, eight yards. Tampa Bay, one target, no catches. Seattle, two targets, one catch, seven yards. Philly, four targets, three catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. Boomer bust. I think he's I think he's a late season guy. Okay. You think he's built for this? You think he's built different? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the way everyone's built, he's built dissimilarly for most people. Yeah. If you look at the way like a person is built, you'll notice some irregularities with Juwan. <laughs> in, ter- in terms of his construction. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to uh, do let's... it for this portion of the pod. The live portion. Now yeah, it's live for... portion. We're signing off. Um, but it's Danny for... Kelly will be coming up on the podcast feed if you're listening there. It's time for... What's on tap? Brought to you by Cooperage Brewing. We're going to talk with Danny Kelly about what's on tap. Sponsored by Cooperage Brewing right now. 
unless you're live. Then goodbye. If you're live, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Yo, it's your homies Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are, are dressing themselves in. Uh, maybe it's the, maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers, or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that. And it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. Yeah. It's super yeah. stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. We also have kids' uh, kid sizes on here too. Yes, that and is everything's correct. unisex. Uh, yes. We we should point out also. So, um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you, or a child, or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their <laughs> stuff as well. Use promo code Candlestick twenty today to get twenty percent off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever. Candlestick twenty is a promo code any day of the week to get twenty percent off your order from sglambchops.com. Uh, shout out to them; we really appreciate their support, and uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high quality clothing. Join the herd today. All right, what's on tap for 49ers and Seahawks? To help us talk through this, we got our good friend, Danny Kelly, in the building. Danny Kelly of The Ringer, Ringer Fantasy Football Show, Ringer NFL Draft Show. That's on the same feed. So if you subscribe, yeah. subscribe to one, you subscribe to both. Uh, avid Seahawks fan. Danny, thanks for thanks for hopping in, man. I, I like talking football with you. I particularly like talking Niners Seahawks with you. Yeah, usually it's a uh, little bit better, more evenly matched game i think generally speaking over the last like 10 years but yes it is fun nonetheless not as fun for me probably more fun for you that's the thing is it feels like there was so there was the there was the 2011 12 and 13 years where they were really close yeah and then the seahawks just took off while the niners fell off and then they were really close in like 19 and not so much 20 for the niners in 21 and now it feels like san francisco is just way better yeah the it's a weird weird rivalry yeah, I thought there was a while there where I thought the narrative that Pete Carroll kind of has Shanahan's number was a thing. But then I mm. think it was more just like the Seahawks had better talent, <laughs> uh, which is probably like generally speaking, a thing in the NFL. It's like, you know, the Jimmys and Joes versus X and O's thing. Like usually the players are the ones that are winning the games. But um, man, Shanahan is obviously a extremely, extremely good schemer. Like this offense is is scary good. And the way that he kind of schemes up his really talented players is super intimidating as a Seahawks fan. Not looking forward to it. So I, I'm curious what you think about the Seahawks season from a big picture standpoint, because they started off five and two. They've lost three in a row and, and four of five. Um, do you think this is a team that's that's pretty emblematic of its record? Do you think it's better or worse than six and six? Where are you at on this year's Seahawks so far? I would say probably slightly better. Um, I, I consider them a pretty good team. That's clearly well below like a, a tier or two below, like the elite teams in the NFL, if that makes any sense. Like they're frisky. I think that they, you know, especially on offense when they can get things going, they can really put up points. Um, they can do some really exciting 
things with like I, I think Gino is still a good quarterback. I obviously, you know, I think people and Seahawks fans in general are kind of split on him. I'm still a big believer in him as, you know, again, it's kind of like the way I feel about the Seahawks, not necessarily an elite quarterback, but like a guy you can win with. And I think the Seahawks have a lot of good skill players. Um, they're young at a lot of spots as like receiver, but you know, generally they're clearly like when you watch them compared to the Cowboys, the Eagles, and especially the 49ers, I'm like, yeah, there's, this is, they're not on the same level as this team. Like maybe if you play X amount of games, they can, they can pull out a couple wins. Anything goes in the NFL, but clearly a step below the elite teams in the NFC. I was fascinated because the the Seahawks played the Niners on on Thanksgiving and their offense looked uh, inept feels strong but that's just kind of how it looked on on no <laughs> so it looked that night right just flaccid and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's way worse <laughs> sorry yeah yeah I was, thinking, I was trying to think of like the most insulting inept is inept is pretty bad but um but yeah <laughs> you described something as flaccid, like that's the worst thing it can be. There's nothing worse. Just impotent. <laughs> you know. All right. Um, but enough about Pete Carroll. Am I right? Oh. No. <laughs> wow. No. Okay. That was that was wow. That was rude. Um, all right. On track. Seahawks <laughs> offense Niners. Uh, they scored six points on offense against the against the 49ers on Thanksgiving, and then they go out against Dallas. And yeah. hang up thirty five. What's yeah. th- what's the difference? Because Dallas's defense is is really really good as well. What was the difference to you in in those two games? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, that that is the question. We don't know. And I don't think anyone really expected the Seahawks to just have this explosion game against the Cowboys, but they did. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly like as simple as it is. I think a couple of players played way way better than they did in the previous game, especially Geno Smith and DK Metcalf. Um. You know, DK Metcalf had like the game of his career against the Cowboys. And I think that was a huge difference. That was a huge uh, boost for them, clearly. And and DK had been in a pretty big slump. I think if you go back a few games before that um, and, you know, like not to like just simplify it too much, but a lot of times it's just like matchups, individual matchups, the way things work for different teams. Um, and again, like I said, I think Gino played way, way better in that Cowboys game. He was really dialed in. Um, the pressure wasn't affecting him quite as much. The Seahawks um, managed to get a couple of, like screen play, like big plays on screens, which is really rare for them. It's like, I don't know. It was just one of those games where things clicked for them offensively. Obviously, defensively, they were terrible. Um, gave up 41 points. But um, yeah, I think, you know, that's that is the only thing that's given me some hope for this weekend is that maybe um, Geno Smith is just really locked in right now. We got DK Metcalf um, playing confidently. And, you know, maybe they can like make it a, make it a good game. Maybe they can make it a bit of a shootout. But um, I think that's just really the big difference there. Do, do you think Geno Smith is still sort of auditioning to be the Seahawks long term answer? Like, what, what do you make of just his standing with the team? He's 33. Um, it yeah. seems like his play has dipped a little bit from last year when when he was obviously really important, the Seahawks making the playoffs just is, you know, where, where is he at big picture with the Seahawks in the, and, and are they going to get a quarterback in, in next year's draft? Do you think? Um, yeah. So I, Brady Henderson from ESPN wrote an article uh, for ESPN right before the, uh, the Cowboys game. And essentially in that he was reporting some things that were basically like, this was a bit of a audition for him. Obviously, 
he had had some struggles, particularly in turning the football over. If you even if you go back to last year, um, Gino had I think a, a like his turnover worthy play rate and his turnover worthy plays were really high. He just kind of got lucky, like some drop picks here and there, um, and that certainly helped like his bottom line in terms of his statistics. But this is kind of who Gino has been throughout his whole career. Obviously he's been a lot better lately than he was early in his career, but he's a risk taker. He's very aggressive. He believes in himself. He trusts his own arm. And so sometimes I can get him in trouble. And I would say that's the one thing that worries me in terms of long-term with Pete Carroll. If you're a type of guy that's going to have a lot of turnovers, like that marriage typically won't work with Pete Carroll because Carroll's whole mantra, his whole philosophy centers around. It's all about the ball, taking care of the football. Um, and so that would be the one thing that kind of like makes me pump the brakes a little bit about calling Gino a quote unquote, like franchise quarterback. I think he's a high level bridge quarterback. Um, and I, bridge quarterback has like a negative connotation. It's I'm not trying to be like a pejorative there. Use it in, in that mm-hmm. way. Cause he's like I said, he's a guy that you can win with, but I don't think he is the type of player that's going to keep the Seahawks from continuing to like, scout quarterbacks and potentially draft quarterback if that makes sense so um i mean i basically there was really strong rumors and some reporting that they were the seahawks were going to take anthony richardson if he was there when uh i think the Seahawks picked at five Mm -hmm. and um obviously richardson was gone so it was it was a moot point and they didn't take him but um you know that would have been you know very interesting scenario and situation that would have happened they didn't end up doing it but i think if you know, they're not going to pick that high this next year, but if they, if they do find themselves in a situation where they can draft a quarterback, I don't think they're necessarily going to shy away from it. If that makes sense. I think that, and that's always been sort of their philosophy. Even when they had Russell Wilson is like, they were still willing to like talk about other quarterbacks and scout other quarterbacks. They didn't really do it a lot because it just didn't really work out that way. But I do think they've always kind of had that philosophy where you never get satisfied with what you have at quarterback and kind of just keep, you know, especially now in this day and age, like with the way that quarterbacks get hurt, concussion rules and, and how a lot of times these guys miss multiple games when you get a concussion. Um, it always helps to have a really good backup. They traded for Drew Locke when they traded Russell Wilson. He's still around. So right. um, long, long story short, long way of uh, saying I don't think that they're like taking themselves out of the running for any quarterbacks. So just while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, you you guys talked about this on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. You talked about Brock Purdy, and I thought you had the take of <laughs> <laughs> everything. The whole thing exists in a gray area that is massive between the two extremes of mm-hmm. he's awful, actually, and he's a top five quarterback. Right. And what what are your just kind of general thoughts on on what you're seeing from Brock Purdy? Yeah, I, I'm always kind of like, hey, there's plenty of room over here in this gray area. Come <laughs> over here and live in the gray area. Like, I think we can also we can obviously uh, be very impressed with what he's done. I mean, I think he's he's been much, much better than anyone expected him to be, clearly, in the NFL since he was the last pick of the draft. Um, and I, I've been very impressed with his decision making for the most part. You know, obviously his ability to... Um, run this offense exactly or not exactly, but very close to exactly how Shanahan wants it to be run, um, you know, plays on time, does a little scrambling. His statistics are extremely, extremely good. I don't think he's necessarily like 
exactly what his statistics say he is because I think he's in a situation. This is something I was saying even before the season. Like he has maybe one of the best groups of skill players the NFL has ever collected. Any team has collected. Mm -hmm. And obviously he's got a um so he's he's got the advantage of playing in that. Plus Shanahan even going through the years, like Shanahan's quarterbacks have always had elevated like yards per attempt um numbers just because he's such a good schemer. So obviously there's like variables, but this is the gray area that we live in. I think we can say he's a very good quarterback without saying he is a top five quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so drop him into any other offense. I'd be very interested to see if people thought he still thought he was a top five offense, but the reality is he's playing in this, in the 49ers offense. He's really good for them. And you could say a lot of, you could probably say you could make the same argument for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, Jalen yeah. hurts, for instance. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of fall in the middle of it. I was sort of resistant to the idea for a long time, but it's probably just because I was, um, grounded to the idea that he was like you know the last pick in the draft and he doesn't have any like i would say you know outstanding physical traits that makes you think he's this elite guy but he is like he's just like the numbers are incredible and he's like running this offense really really efficiently and you can't deny that is pete carroll ever going to retire <laughs> is he um, just gonna coach he's older than mike shanahan that's <laughs> nuts to me dude i mean mike looks old too he like, looks he, awful <laughs> you know how like some guys like retire and it's like oh he they're you know they need to take a little bit better care of themselves like i look at like if you ever see brett Favre, man he looks looks like he's living a rough life these days but um it's probably karma <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it happens when the you know, charity money the dries up whatnot. yeah yeah um but yeah, Carol, man, he looks incredible for how, what is he like 73 years old or something like that. He's the oldest coach in the NFL. He's even older than Belichick, which is wild. Um, I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon. I think he, you know, he's one of those people that it, it, he really enjoys the job. He really enjoys the grind and he really, he's a program builder. It's like in his DNA to like do this. He's a teacher, you know, his philosophy is, is, just go, go, go. He, he's got more energy than I do. And, you know, he's like 30 something <laughs> years older than me. So, um, yeah, I don't see him retiring anytime soon, to be honest. I, That's wild. I, it's just interesting because it's like at some point, I don't know if I, you know, the Seahawks have been rebuilding. I don't think that's the right way to put it since, since Russell Wilson was traded, but like at some point, if they do end up getting another young quarterback, it will feel like a rebuild. And if you're, you know, 73, 74, a 74 year old head coach, like how much bandwidth can you have for that? Or is it just going to be a scenario where like the defense is, is going to be able to punch above its weight because it's yep. well coached and they'll just be competitive and, and Pete's cool with just being competitive. Like it's, yeah, it's just, I think, yeah, it's exactly what you just said. It's they'll they'll be competitive and Pete will be cool with them being competitive. I think if you look at like, um, the history of Pete Carroll in Seattle, there's been like three years, I think that they've gone under 500. He's just like been very, very consistent um, in churning out competitive teams. And I think that's the word you'd use competitive, like not necessarily the best team in the NFL, but they can punch above their weight in a lot of times, a lot of cases um, because they drag teams down, you know, into the mud and they slow the ball. They slow it down. They try and control the, the ball not turn it over all that stuff that he preaches. I'd say that his defenses, the last, five six years have not been very good um so i think that there is some skepticism that if they did have to restart on offense and they had a rookie quarterback in there you know that it would look good because their defense could hold things hold up there into the bargain i don't think that's really been the case for a, a long time um and by the way that's not 
for lack of trying, they've invested a lot in the defense over the over the years, and it's still pretty bad. So um, I don't know what that means for the long term for like what they're going to do on defense because they have sunk a lot of in uh, you know capital and, and trades and draft picks into the defense, and it's still been pretty bad year in and year out for like six years now. So um, you know that is something to be figured out down the line at the, but at the same time, I do think he's just, he's a really good coach at just helping his team be competitive year in and year out. I think one of the things with, with Seattle, particularly last year was they draft two rookie tackles who step in and play really well. And they have Tariq Woolen at corner. Who's really good. And then this year uh, they were one of the winners of day one of the draft when they get, uh, Devin Witherspoon at five overall, and they get Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20 overall. So with those two rookies this year, you're deep into the draft. You <clears throat> scout all these guys pre-draft. Have those guys been, have those guys in, in Witherspoon and, and Smith and Jigba in particular, have they been as good as you thought they'd be better, worse? Where, where do you land on those two guys? I think Witherspoon has been, I don't know if better than I expected is is the right way to put it because I really liked him. Um, mm -hmm. But he's been exactly as advertised in a good way. You know what I mean? Like he's been a huge impact player for them. He's like an incredible tackler. He hits hard. Like he's a he's not very big. He's like 100 and whatever, 80 pounds or something. Yeah. And he hits like bricks. He's really instinctive. He's always around the ball. Um, he's just one of those guys that is a true... I think like force multiplier on defense when he's playing well, he, he, he like makes everybody around him better kind of deal. So mm -hmm. I'm very bullish on what he can be both short-term and long-term. He could be like a big impact player for them. As long as he can stay healthy, I would say Smith and Jigba is probably if you ask Seahawks fans in their heart of hearts, he's been a little disappointing. Um, and part of that is because he's been playing for most of the season. I think over the last couple of couple of games he's been playing like a little bit more of a real receiver role like running routes downfield and getting targeted downfield but like i think over the first like six or seven weeks he his he had like a negative a dot like his average depth of target was like legitimately at the line of scrimmage they were just running screens for him it was like oh. very bizarre um and part of that was that it was like essentially dk metcalf tyler lockett are the established starters and they were running a ton of 12 personnel it was like what they were best at and so Smith and Jigba was more or less just like a bit player that would come in and run screens or whatever, you know, and kind of like playing his role, but he wasn't really a huge part of their offense early on. And so, I don't know. I, he's to me, he's been very impressive the last few games and I think he's still on the right track. I'm still hopeful that he'll be a huge impact player for them. But at the same time, I would say people were kind of starting to get nervous. I was getting a lot of texts like, should we have taken, you know, Zay Flowers, you know, like maybe this was not the right pick. Maybe he's actually kind of just a system, like a, a product of the system, product of CJ Stroud. You know, there's all there was like a lot of, I think, consternation, uh, you know, at least for part of the season here. So I'd say he's been below expectation, but I'm still pretty optimistic of him long term. Chris, you're an Ohio State guy. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I, I think you just need some time. Yeah. Honestly. Like, yeah. I, I think I mean, just... Not My every take, rookie receiver can come in and ball right away, especially when there yeah. are other receivers that, that are going to get a lot of targets. My take and my response to the people that have been worried about him is like, he was not really drafted to be a this year player. Like they still have right. DK Metcalf and Tyler Luck and they still love playing uh 12 personnel and two, two tight end sets where they're running the ball there. They can do the things on play action. They can do all the stuff in 12 personnel that they're really good at. And so to me, he was more of a, in year one, he's an insurance 
um, you know, he's a piece of insurance in case one of these guys, one of Lockett or Metcalf gets hurt, then he can go in and be like a go-to guy in their offense. But he's, he, to me, has always been sort of more of like a 2024 and on guy. That makes sense. Danny, what, what reasons for optimism should the Seahawks have going into Sunday's game? Is it just something like catch the 49ers sleeping um, Niners <laughs> yeah, turn yeah. the ball over? Like what are there? I don't know what, what's, what has to go right for Seattle to win or, or how optimistic are you that Seattle can come in and, and hit the 49ers in the mouth on Sunday? <laughs> uh, well, you know, like <laughs> the Niners are the biggest buzzsaw team in the NFL. This is what I mean. I've been saying the, the buzzsaw term to me, that's just like, man, it is a lot of things have to go wrong for the 49ers to lose. I feel like, and cause they just wear on you. They have so many, so much talent on both sides of the ball. And they can create turnovers on defense. They have a great pass rush. They have really good, you know, playmakers in the middle and on the outside. And it's just like, man, they're just so they can just beat you in so many ways. It's truly like a buzzsaw type team. And they're really hot right now. Obviously, I think the only hope that I would have is this a big letdown game after having a huge emotional revenge game win over the Eagles on the road. Come back to, you know, come back and play at home against a team that they just destroyed a couple of weeks ago. You know, I guess the hope would be there's some kind of letdown type thing, um, you know, and that would be like, I think the main thing. The other end is like, you know, the Seahawks and 49ers know each other. They played each other a lot. Like you said, it's like a long, longstanding rivalry and division games are always a little unpredictable. So I'm not writing off the Seahawks completely on paper. This is clearly a much better 49ers team um, and I don't expect the Seahawks to win, but I, that doesn't mean they can't win. You know what I mean? I will say it does feel like it's been like there was a long time where every 49ers Seahawks game just felt really weird. And maybe that was just every Seahawks game. We haven't had a really weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yeah. haven't had a really weird Niners Seahawks game in a minute. So maybe we're let's get weird. Let's get, weird. let's get we weird. We need a special teams touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. A need, fake need punt. I can see the Seahawks. That's a, actually a great point. Like I can see the Seahawks kind of pulling out all the stops in this one. Fake punt. You know, fake yeah. field goal, something like that. I can Is Travis that. Homer still on the team? No, he's in no, Chicago. He's with the Bears. Oh, now. he's in Chicago. Yeah. DJ Dallas. All the Seahawks are hurt right now, by the way. The, yeah, I was going to say, mm. what? what's the deal with... Uh, I was I Actually, I just got their their practice report. Um, let's see. Yeah, is Walker uh, practicing pra- yet? Because that would be helpful. Oh, Walker, Walker was limited. Walker right. and Zach Charbonnet, both limited. That's good, because they did not practice yesterday. Um, Correct. So that's encouraging. You know, I, I would say, yeah, like it, it would certainly help if the Seahawks were at full strength, especially at running back. Cause I think Kenneth Walker, yeah. uh, you know, is, is one of the Seahawks most dynamic playmakers. He's the type of guy who can make a touchdown or create a touchdown from anywhere on the field. You know um, I think Seahawks fans get frustrated with him because his just sort of point A to point B doing what he's supposed to do and hitting the hole directly. I think people get frustrated that he doesn't necessarily do that as consistently as other running backs. But mm-hmm. I love him because he's like capable of creating on his own, making people miss, breaking tackles and scoring 60 yard touchdowns. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of a balance there, but um, it would be great to have him back for this game because I think they're going to need that type of like big play ability to really, you know, like basically steal one from the 49ers this week. I have a really quick question that I, that's that's separate from this. I should have asked this earlier for like conversation flow, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's poor podcasting by me. It's, right. it's cool. It's cool. We'll fix it in post. Uh, 
has has the addition of Christian McCaffrey changed your mind at all on Kyle Shanahan from a fantasy football standpoint? <laughs> like you're out yeah, on yeah, top, yeah. like you're in on Kyle Shanahan, but out on him as like a fantasy football. Yeah. Uh, per like, what am I trying to say? Like a his effect on fantasy football. Right, right. Are right, you yeah. back in? Um, this year more so than I have been in the past for sure. Like in the in the past, um, as you know, as you've alluding to, like I hated Kyle Shanahan because it was like um so unpredictable with who's going to be scoring fantasy points obviously from my point of view i'm trying to like give people advice on fantasy and it's like right. every week something new with this guy and it's like i'm putting iuke <laughs> on the bench you know it's like he's got like he's playing favorites like all this stuff it's just like really annoying but this year i would say certainly with christian mccaffrey like the volume is the like the biggest thing you can take to the bank in fantasy right now is like yeah. Christian McCaffrey is going to play like 95% of the snaps, even if they're winning by 30, which of course probably not the best idea, but we appreciate it in fantasy land. <laughs> um, and then I would say like, this might be more of a Purdy thing than Shanahan, but I would say there's like a better distribution and consistency mm -hmm. with like Kittle, Ayuk and Debo are all kind of getting their, looks like maybe he just knows where his bread is buttered and he's making sure to get everybody looks and, and pass mm -hmm. everybody and like you know doing the good thing that quarterbacks do which is like making everybody happy um maybe there's some of that or maybe it's partly shanahan i don't know but like it does feel like or maybe it's just the fact that the 49ers are an absolute freaking buzzsaw that blow everybody out um but I, there's just a lot more consistency and like you can use these guys more confidently than you ever have it feels like in the past like kittle last year the year before was just like all over the map i never know whether to start kittle even though he's yeah. like one of the best players in the nfl um it's like <laughs> in fantasy it's like he might have zero targets in this game and and you know he's still blocking his ass off but um yeah but this year yeah i'm kind of i don't have the animosity towards shanahan i used to in terms of like the fantasy point of view obviously i i've always believed he's a really good coach Sure. I remember like going into 2021, like Trey Sermon had some offseason momentum. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then oh. week one, he's inactive. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? And Elijah, Elijah Mitchell lights it up. Elijah Mitchell lights it up. It's like, dude, okay, you can't. Okay, I can't even tell you how excited I was for Ty Davis Price to get released from the 49ers. So I was like, yes, he's free. And then no one claimed him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he resigned yeah, the practice. He's stuck with the 49ers. <laughs> Not that I even like think he's that great. I just want to see. Like, I just want to see him get a chance. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, it, but now he's now he's just buried forever. It's a yeah. tough it's a tough scene for Elijah Mitchell that he got three yeah. exactly yeah. three carries in Philadelphia and he's like ah, I'm sore and he hasn't practiced the first two days this week. Yeah, he's, he's had a, he's had knee issues for like, a while. Yeah, um, it's like Rashad Penny for yeah. us like mm. you know he, great like very explosive good player just unreliable can't stay healthy. Yeah. Um Danny I wanted to ask you about a prediction for Sunday but instead of like a score and a win or loss prediction do you have just like some random seahawks minutia that that you feel <laughs> like is is gonna happen on sunday something that you can predict um well I'll, I'll put it this way i'm very interested to look at the dk metcalf traverse ward matchup because mm -hmm. i you know like last week or last time they played two weeks ago uh ward sort of shut down dk metcalf and metcalf even came out and said like i got nothing but respect for that guy like um which I thought was pretty cool. And, you know, cause like TK Metcalf is an instigator. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> you know, like to it's his detriment, kind of shitty, <laughs> right. To his detriment. Most like sometimes he's like, 
plays really physical and like after the whistle and there, you know, he gets a lot of like personal fouls and it drives Seahawks fans kind of crazy. I think, but. I think that's true about his pre-draft combine meeting with the 49ers also. Oh, really? I've heard that. I don't know if I have not. That story. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't have specifics. Um, but I, all I can say, I guess on the record with that, would be that it didn't go well <laughs> when TK Metcalf met with uh, met with Kyle Shanahan. That's in, hilarious. In That's Indy in good. 2021, I think, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, or 2020. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of glad that he's not on the 49ers because then it would just be like <laughs> ridiculously good. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to be watching that matchup. I think DK Metcalf is going to have a better game this time than he did last time. I, I kind of have like this hunch that the Seahawks offense is going to play well. Um or at least better than they did last time, but it's not going to be enough. That's kind of like how I see the game going. I agree. Yeah. I took the over 46 and a half. There you go. I like that. Uh, DK Metcalf is in year five. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Not 20, 2019, I think. Yeah. He was the same year as AJ Brown. I, th- I want to say. Was and it Debo, the Debo yeah. year? Yeah. yeah. That so, was Debo, 2019. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So the D, so they took Debo instead of DK. And, uh, well, I guess that's, that probably our worked guy out. from ASU, uh, Nikhil Harry went 30 seconds. Yeah, Yikes. yeah. Um, and then Ayuk was twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, 49ers are good at identifying offensive talent. So sometimes that's for sure. that's annoying. Yeah. Sometimes. Other Except than like their round three running backs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're good rounds. Rounds one and two. <laughs> no, not even round. They they drafted Dante Pettis in the second round. Yeah. Like yeah. two two another, spots another ahead of Christian Kirk. Fantasy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the the funniest thing is when you go look at the Niners third round picks under Shanahan and Lynch it's just ass it's like yeah. CJ Beathard and like Akello Witherspoon is one of the best ones and it's Trey Sermon and freaking um Danny oh, Gray Warner. no I know Warner. that Danny okay. Gray that was that was yeah. the punchline and then yeah, you okay. look and there's like oh there's Fred <laughs> Warner like okay fine yeah. I guess they're fine in the third round yeah yeah nuts anyways uh yeah that's the story with the Seahawks too I think is like um a lot of, I mean, actually, the 49ers have done this too. A lot of big misses early, but then they mm. seem to like fill out their roster with like elite guys that they find, like diamonds in the rough that they can coach up, or, yeah. you know, these guys fell for whatever reason. Um, obviously, the Seahawks have not been able to re- recreate some of their um, Legion of Boom stuff that they did, but obviously, those days, like, th- there was like a lot of mid to late round guys that were like coming in and like playing huge amounts of snaps for them. Um, and, then they threw away some first round picks on some really stupid stuff. So yeah. Niners also got mm-hmm. super lucky in 2018 when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and then they lucked into the number two pick to get Nick Bosa. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And also they got a little bit lucky in the sense now looking back, we can say they got lucky that Arizona didn't take Bosa mm-hmm. and took Kyler that year. Too. If you if you really this is like if I was a GM of a team, I'm gonna be like the fans would probably hate me, but like being really good and then really bad the next year, if alternating years, you could probably build like a really legit team. Just yeah, have like guys a, have like a two or th- one or two bad like top of the draft years. Get some elite like playmakers in your set. Yeah, I mean, then of course, you have, to, pick, you have to pick the right guys. Of course, that's, uh, that's part of it. But yeah. yeah, but if you just have a hundred percent hit rate, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why more teams don't just do that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, true. Danny Kelly covering the NFL for the Ringer. Ringer Fantasy Football Show is the podcast. On that same feed is the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It is super fun. Even when I didn't have a fantasy team, I listened to it every time. Uh, it is that. it is a very enjoyable listen. Uh, DK, thanks, man. Thank you.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.